Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. These things eat bamboo, but there's no nutritional value for them. And they have to eat too much of it because they their stomachs don't tolerate it, but they just keep eating it. So they're eating stuff that's not even good for them. They don't like to have sex, so they never reproduce. And then when they do, like, it's just a surprise. Every couple of months, it's like, mm, she might be pregnant or she might just have gained a little weight. And let's just hope that she doesn't roll over on it or eat it when it's born. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital media and the people who make it. In the studio today with me is a friend and a colleague. Meredith Summers is a reporter here at Federal News Radio. I got to talking to her and I realized that she would be a great person to have on the podcast to talk about the work she does and sort of how she got to her current position as a reporter here. So welcome, Meredith. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for, for agreeing to be here. So now you've been here for about a year. And mm -hmm. before that, you were a reporter at The Washington Times. Yeah. So I uh, worked for The Washington Times from 2011 to the fall of 2014. And then I did a quick stint with the AP. They have contractors uh, who work during the legislative session because it gets so busy and all the standard reporters there need a little extra help around that time. But yeah, my the longest... Um, job that I held before that was at the Washington Times. Washington Times. Well, okay. Well, how did you get to the D.C. area? Now, you're originally from like Ohio? Yep. I grew up in Ohio. I mean, originally, originally from New York, but moved in, you know, spent my formative years in, in Ohio and went to school in Connecticut and then came home after college and was just kind of putzing around living with my parents, which is always really exciting and awesome. And I ended up, we have back then, that was when community news was community news. And so Columbus, Ohio has, you know, the city. And then similar to this area, there's, you know, suburbs and cities and smaller cities and villages and townships. And as it happened, the community newspaper that I would read that would get delivered to my house was looking for a reporter. And so I, I applied for the job and got it. And so I was covering like you know, my neighbors and stuff, which was kind of weird, but also kind of great. I mean, it wasn't just my neighbors. It was, you know, I knew where was, I was going. Like I never got lost. I knew, you know, I was going down the street from my high school to listen to a city council meeting. And so I did that for about a year and a half and then was just getting kind of antsy at home because again, Columbus, Ohio is a great place to grow up and come home to, but it's nice to spread my wings. And a couple of girlfriends from college uh, were moving to the, the city here in D.C., and so I said, well, I'm coming too, and came here and got a job down in Southern Maryland. So I was doing the reverse commute down, uh, working in Waldorf for the Maryland Independent. And so that was an interesting job. It was a step up from doing city council meetings. I was now covering county commission meetings for an area where 60% of the workforce left every morning to go to work in D.C. So you were dealing with a lot of very um, you know, educated and, and well-off residents who were federal employees, but they would leave throughout the day. So every, you know, we were really the ones having to do their job of telling them what is going on in this in the county because they they didn't know they were spending most of their days not at home. Yeah, and that's and that's important news to cover because that's where people live and that's right. The stuff that's where that people live. Them. Yeah, and in Southern Maryland, you know, you've got proving ground and army base and and naval stuff, port tobacco, but then you've got 
you know, these beautiful wetlands and tributaries to the Chesapeake Bay. And then you've got these big, long expanses of, of undeveloped land that everybody wants. So it was really kind of interesting. You know, you'd be dealing, you know, you'd go to a commission meeting and you'd have these feds and these big black SUVs. And then you'd have just like the mom and pop store across the street, you know, who didn't want, you know, this big giant building you know, coming in right next to them or in their backyard. But at the same time, they did need a lot of this. The county still needed to grow. Um, so it was definitely an interesting dichotomy. So I was there for uh, another year and a half and then got the job at the Washington Times. So what were you doing primarily at the Washington Times? At Washington Times, I was general assignment reporter. So every day was a little bit different. Some days it was, you know, what was the latest drama unfolding at the the Panda House at the National Zoo. And sometimes it, well, for a while there, it was occupation or Occupy D.C. in McPherson Square. I covered uh, the Democratic National Convention in 2012. And, you know, if there was a protest or, um, you know, if there was an unfortunate shooting or accident or metro incident, I would cover that. Every day was a little bit different, which was great. I really liked doing that. Now, was that um, like AP stories for the D.C. area or were they they just pretty much go everywhere? For AP, it was mostly the D.C. area, depending on what the story was. Uh, because I was covering Maryland at the time, I did a couple of the Freddie Gray riot stories, which you know the whole country knew about, and a couple other stories. Um, what's interesting about state government is that a lot of times that's really where the news is. That's where you know you get things like marijuana and whether or not it can be legal or not. You know, so sometimes my stories would end up national. Sometimes they would just end up along the East Coast. It just kind of depended on the topic. So I know that you, well, for one, you mentioned the, the panda story. I know we were talking about that. Right. <laughs> so that you were, you had become sort of an expert in panda love. Yeah. And in panda reproduction, it is the most complicated thing. Like they don't just reproduce naturally. So don't even get me started on why I think they should be, you know, just let nature take its course. These things eat bamboo, but there's no nutritional value for them. And they have to eat too much of it because they, their stomachs don't tolerate it, but they just keep eating it. So they're eating stuff that's not even good for them. They don't like to have sex, so they never reproduce. And then when they do, like, it's just a surprise. Every couple of months, it's like, mm, she might be pregnant or she might just have gained a little weight. And let's just hope that she doesn't roll over on it or eat it when it's born. So I was there for, I don't even remember, what is it, Bow Bow? Was that the, the most yeah, recent one? Yeah, I think one? so. Yeah. And that was right after, it was like a year after there had been that miscarriage, or it wasn't a miscarriage. The baby had been born and lived for like a week and then it died. And it was very sad and it had like fluid in it lungs and I can remember that kind of a detail but can you tell can I tell you about you know some big policy of course not so fluid in the lungs of this baby panda and then a year later bow bow was born and everybody lost you know their minds over it was pretty cute I have to admit but yeah I would I was going to the zoo every couple of weeks you know, or every couple of weeks as they were, you know mom was starting to look a little pregnant and then once she came it was just like oh god you know We've got a report on the panda cub and how many people are here to show up when they brought the panda out for the first time for the public to see. Because then they shut the place down so that the mom and the baby can bond and do their thing. It was like the Beatles had arrived. Like this panda was so like people were outside waiting to get into this panda house like at three o'clock in the morning. It's insane. It's insane. So and then so from from pandas, you covered the Democratic National Convention. What yeah. was that experience like? <laughs> that was actually really cool. I got to see the Foo Fighters play, which was awesome. But like you will appreciate and, this. And some political stuff. <laughs> and some political stuff, too. So I was sent down because it was right around the time that Occupy D.C. had started to peter out. But it was still getting some attention. And Vince Gray, the mayor or the mayor at the time in D.C., was going down to to support the president in his nomination. And there was rumors that Occupy D.C. would also come down. So my 
editor said, go on out, go, you can go to and just kind of pick up what other, any other stories you can find. So I went down and they did show up. Occupy DC showed up and they shut down an intersection. And I believe they made Vince Gray late for his speaking engagement or something. You know, they just go and they stand out in the middle of the intersection and they don't really do any harm to anybody. They just stand there and make it inconvenient for anybody to get around. So I, I covered that story and then I got to do a little bit of man on the street sort of, hey, how are you feeling about you know, the president running again. And then if you had protesters, just in general, political protesters, what do you think there? It was really interesting. It's kind of, kind of, I was in Charlotte at the time and Charlotte's just a very vertical city. And so each day we all got there on a Monday and the president was speaking on Thursday. And every day we go back into the city because our hotel was outside and there'd be like another ring of security. It was almost like an apocalyptic zombie movie because the streets started to empty out because there's only so many steps and securities, you know, checks you could go through before, like you were only allowed in if you had the credentials. So by the end, it was just like a no man's land. And then as soon as the president leaves, it's like, oh, whatever, you can open up again. But it was neat. You know, you got to see a lot of movers and shakers and just to get to see kind of behind the scenes of what we all watch on TV. And it was neat. So let's contrast that to what your current job is, which mm-hmm. is at Federal News Radio. What, how would you describe the types of stories that you cover now? Not Panda Reproduction. <laughs> Well, you know, Panda technically, I believe, is a federal employee. That's true. It is. Well, with the sequestration, those those guys are, uh, yeah, they're put on hold for a while, too. <laughs> Somebody's got to go down there to feed the panda. Someone's got to go down. Yeah, just, uh, what just, what do they call it? Essential staff. Essential, essential staff. To throw some, throw some bamboo throw over some the bamboo. fence. <laughs> so the stories that I do now, kind of, it's interesting that I, I started in city council township stuff where like there would be three hour arguments over what color the CVS sign should be because it's a historical <laughs> district. I'm not kidding you. That no, was, no, no, no. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, those kind of stories. And then it went to county commission where it was, well, should we just tear down this perfectly pristine stream so we can put in, you know, another big box store? And then it was, you know, state government in, in Maryland where it was, okay, these are this is where you're starting to get national attention for stories. And now it's like, Okay, when there's something that, that happens that I'm covering, people are going to read about it nationally because Federal News Radio, we cover federal employees. And that's not just within the Beltway. That's across the country and then overseas, too. And now it's – I mean, I remember when I applied for this job and I was like, okay, I guess I can probably find something interesting about it. But And I will say sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, here's another acquisition I need to write about or – you know, a pay scale thing. But then there are really interesting stories that affect not only federal employees, but like the whole country. You get stuff like, you know, oversight of of National Park Service, where we've all been to a national park and we want to know that people are being treated fairly and appropriately. Or you get, you know, cybersecurity incidents like OPM and its data breaches. Like everybody gets a new credit card every couple of months because somebody's taken their, you know, their credit card. And so it's you realize how much more connected we all are through the government and the policies and programs and decisions that are made. And so it's it's interesting when I started out as a reporter, and I still do try to like write about, you know, okay, if I was explaining this to my mom, how would I do it? And my mom's a very intelligent person, but she's not totally in, involved in everything. And it, I find it much easier than I thought it would be to be like, okay, here's how this applies to our audience. But if you're just an average Joe reading the story, this is also how it applies to you. And there's much more of that than I thought there would be. Yeah, I would say, you know, when they when they bring you into this job, but they push very much that, oh, this is really kind of wonky and it's very dry mm-hmm. and, you know, there are only certain types of people. But there are stories in here. And, and you know, occasionally it, it, it is a bit of a challenge to 
try to figure out how to humanize something. Yeah. But once you do, and once you realize the impact, you know, but that can be challenging day in and day out. Well, I just did, I don't normally cover DOD, and I had to do it last week, and I had to cover a story about... Department of Defense. Department of Defense, yes, yeah, sorry. And I had to cover uh, what they're doing is literally taking stacks of, like, servers, like email servers, like we're all, we've all heard about from the FBI, and trying to knock down all to a smaller amount the the infrastructure that the Department of Defense has. And there's so many acronyms and there's so many like, okay, let's take one step. Okay, let's take another step. And it's just so slow. And you're like, how does, who cares? But then you think, okay, if we went to war or that we got attacked or something or some, you know, our family loved ones who were overseas got attacked because they're fighting or doing something you would want to make sure that everybody's on the same page, and the Defense Department isn't always like that. And so I'm writing this turn, and I'm like, okay, this, yes, this has taken a little bit of effort more than I normally would need to, you know, do this. But then you think, oh, right, this does really apply. This this is interesting, and this does impact much more than just, you know, our the audience that I know is reading this. So it's, it's interesting. The way you're talking for you, uh, you're sort of— entree into a story is is the relatability seeing seeing what the value in something is absolutely because i mean if, yeah there's so many different outlets out there reporting on the same thing especially in washington i mean you're hardly ever going to be at an event where it's just you and if you are it's probably because there was bad traffic and the other person isn't there <laughs> and so you have to figure out a way to write it in a way that's either different and i find to make it different i find it's easier for me to write it as more relatable and that generally makes it easier for me to write the lead and then kind of fill it in with, oh, okay, well, this is how I would relate to it. And okay, let me explain it. I Tarantino it. I Here's the idea. And then I work my way back and then up again. Yeah. Your stories are all told out of sequence. Yes, exactly. And, and with, with lots of violence. With really good and, music and bloody violence scenes. Yes, yes that's exactly right. <laughs> no, it can be a challenge to do this type of reporting where it's, you know, our target, our business model is to try to go after, you know, federal managers. But, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of our audience are, are just the, you know, regular civil servant who goes in. But then we also have an audience that just have a general interest in government. So you can't be too dry. You can't be too wonky. Yeah. You, you, you have to write something that and, and also identify what the, the importance is. I always found that because I don't do as much writing as you do. I, I still do some writing here. But I always found that... um you know, figuring out pretty quickly where what what is the thing that's either different or new mm -hmm. or that you just want to tell somebody this is what you need to know. And just once you identify that, then you can write the story from that way. Yeah. 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 And that's what our editor, uh, Jason, suggests doing. It's why people care. What is important to our readers about this? And that yeah, that can be challenging because a lot of times in this line of work for uh, federal news radio, like you're writing to people who probably do know more than you or at least are up to date like with you are. Not everybody knows about panda reproduction. So I'm able to tell somebody something that they don't already know. And it can be a little bit more tricky to be like, okay, this is why it's important or this is how you can relate to it. And even if you just lead with that and then kind of go into that, okay, let's get a little bit more specific and not drier, but more bureaucratic, higher level. But it's just like to capture that attention, you've got to be in that first lead or two or sentence or two. This is why it's interesting. This is why it relates to you. And this is why you should keep reading. Yeah. And at the other, the other side of it is, you know, people, when we, you know, I always tell people when I explain to them where I work, 
we cover the federal government, we cover the bureaucracy, but from a non-political point of view, mm -hmm. which is good and bad in, in many ways. It's yeah. good in the sense that we don't really have a dog in this fight. Mm -hmm. It's it's what we're there is to sort of to, to, to break down the facts of what the story is, um, not taking in one particular political side or not. Um, the bad, the downside of it is, is that there are a lot of stories that that come up that are political in nature that affect what we do, but we right. we, we don't necessarily cover them mm -hmm. the same way. I mean, like for example, the the president rolls out his budget. We're really kind of more concerned, you know, not with some of the maybe the p more political aspects of what the budget's about, but about the actual oh they're going to increase funding at this place and yeah. this and this they're going to hire this many mess. more managers yeah. here and there. So it's a, it's a slightly different way of, a, of covering the government. Yeah, like I I love writing features. I love you know people stories that kind of thing. And when you mentioned the budget, I remember when the president had announced there was that cancer moonshot. Yeah. Uh, and which sounds like so cool because there's so many amazing stories when it comes to that kind of a thing. You know, I mean, they're heartbreaking stories when you hear about someone's going through cancer, but also these like also ugly cry stories when you found out that someone has you know been cured. And so the fact that they were doing this, you know, huge effort to, you know, really expand science and research and technology and improve lives. I was like, yes, I totally want to do this. And at the Times or the AP, that's what I would have done. It would have been like, here's the story. Here's, you know, let me talk to Joe Biden. Let me talk to this person. It's going to be this big, fuzzy, amazing people story. And then I had to go, okay, wait, but how does this apply to federal news radio? And it was more like, okay, well, how do, you know, Who's going to be a part of this within the government? Are agencies going to be working together? How is this going to get done? And then I found out, oh, okay, well, they are linking up thanks to you know big data, which is a big topic for us. You know, they're hooking up patients who wouldn't know normally know about a you know a new clinical trial because it's really you know it's either too small to make national news or it's too you know risky or or you know edgy to maybe not everybody wants to talk about it and so you're able to put in your data and it's able to link up trials with patients that you wouldn't normally and it's that's an interesting topic and it does feed into that larger you know amazing feature profile story but it we look at it from our federal news angle so is there anything that you've like suddenly become an expert on that you never thought that you would be an expert on? I'm an expert at everything. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot who I was talking to. No, that's a good question. I feel like sometimes depending on what my beat is, like I will become an expert in, like I could tell you all about open season, at least <laughs> last year when we did that oh story. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. We, we did something uh, incredibly <laughs> wonderful, but incredibly. Um, a for effort. A for, yeah, <laughs> F for uh, C minus for execution. Yeah. we. I think it might actually have been my bright idea. It was. It was my bright <laughs> idea. Uh, open season is when uh, federal employees uh, for a couple of months at the end of the year, they can go in and change their, um, their health insurance mm -hmm. plan. And last year was actually kind of a big one that there was some new. There was like they just changed something or added yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So it was. So that's how that's how big an impact yeah. it is. Is we remember exactly yeah. what it was. But um, so I, Mike had the idea. The one. <laughs> and to be fair, I was totally. It sounds like a great idea on yeah on paper no, because I'm always looking for ways for the web team uh, to sort of engage with the audience and. It was like, well, why don't we do a survey? We will, mm -hmm. you know, pe people can submit their questions, and we can provide their and yeah. we provide answers because they have a book. It's like an actual right. book, and it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure. If you have this and you want to do this, here's what you could 
here's some suggestions you could take. It has like premiums right. and like breaks down, you know, if you have this existing condition or you want this, it really breaks it down. So we were thinking, okay, we'll just answer questions. Yeah. And what we discovered was that there are people who actually have whole careers uh, <laughs> yes. and jobs where that's all they do is they answer those questions. Yes. And we got... Like so, over a hundred questions. Hundred. I mean, I spent one holiday just answering questions. It was Thanksgiving. I, I think yeah, I yeah. just answered questions. Yeah. No. It was. It was definitely a learning experience. I think we probably ended up learning a lot more about open season. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I don't know how successful it was in the end. Mm-hmm. I think because um, you only get because it, it's sort of this is, the real lesson in it is is when you do something like that, you realize that you're dealing with people who may be asking you. "Quote unquote life and death questions." No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, that, is what it was. I yeah. need I need to know whether I should change my health plan so that my my wife who Who's receives on, like, it life support yeah, yeah is going to be able to get this and so like you know we yeah is like yeah. so do you take you take on that responsibility of oh okay yeah. well I better figure out exactly the right answer yeah. or or steer them in the right direction yeah so that I don't like. Uh, negatively impact their lives yeah, no, by that's giving what them bad, bad information. You would get some people and it was a very easy, okay, yeah, go to this page or yes, here's the, here are your options or no, this hasn't changed. But yeah, you would get people who go, I have an adult, you know, son who's living with me and he's physically incapable of doing this. What should I do? Or I, you know, have a wife who's going through cancer treatment. I need this. And it, if anything, it pointed out that these HR offices at agencies were not doing enough because right. there were so many questions that they were asking us that weren't just easy you know, oh yeah, just go Google this and there's your form. It was like hyper specific personal questions that Yeah, I think I think from a um a production standpoint, mm-hmm. I think from a, from our perspective it was like, okay, well we learned something from yeah, how we would do a project like that in the future. And I, and I think we did our best, the mm-hmm. best that we could do in the situation. I think there we were did definitely help a couple people who were like, "Thank you so much. That's all I needed and that yeah, was yeah. it." But So, so we yeah. think twice about maybe how yeah. we would do that again in the future. Yes. Yeah. Um may, maybe not necessarily it was a bad idea, but just maybe think about the consequences and the execution mm-hmm. and how you're going to support that. Yes. Making sure that we had enough. Um, well, for that month though, I was like dreaming like open season. Open, open season reta- and different healthcare. plans, yeah. Um, um, let, let me, before we wrap up here, I did want to ask you, you said that you'd covered Occupy DC. I always mm-hmm. found that a really interesting story. Tell me about your experience doing that. Oh my gosh, that was quite an experience. I remember the day going out there and it was like, I think the day after they'd had their first meeting because they start met on a Sunday and I went out there on a Monday and I went out to McPherson Square and it was just like two park benches and one, they just had like a box of food that people had donated. It was like, you know bagels and a couple waters and that was it and I was just thinking to myself all right well this is going to be over in like two days flash forward to like a month later where they've built a giant fort and there's people getting you know trampled by uh, horses you know park horses and they've got you know riot police got gear out there and then and then a month after that when they've got like it looks like hazmat guys out there lifting up these pallets where people have been sleeping and rats like dozens of rats scattering like it it, I don't know, maybe I totally have a terrible news judgment, but I thought it was going to be done over and done within a week. And it went on for how long? It was like four or five months, mm-hmm. which I think in part was because we had such a mild winter that year. Like It really didn't get cold until after the new year. I think if it had gotten much colder, it, I think it might have dispersed a little bit more. 
but it was pretty incredible. Like there was always some kind of story to tell, whether it was like some quirky thing that happened. Like they opened a library there and people would come and donate books. You can go and take out books. You would get some of the unions that came out and gave water. There was always some weird angle to do, to talk about and, and cover. Um, the temperament definitely changed. At first it was like, sure, what do you want to know? We'll ha- we're happy to tell you our stories and this is my personal story and that. And then they got a little bit more they being some of the members who were showing up. Um, and I, some of them were regulars and some of them were new, but they got a lot more skeptical about some of the reporters. There were a couple that were there all the time because that was ended up being their beat, kind of like mine. And they would talk and be pretty fair, but they got a little hostile sometimes towards some of the newer reporters or they would be a little bit more, you know, I don't know if I really want to use my name this time or whatnot. And I think, you know, personally, I was like, okay, I, I see where they're coming from. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the fact that, you know, there's 1% that's getting so much more of this. Like, there should be, but I don't know how to fix that. But some some of them were just kids, just kids who were out there. And then you'd get a couple adults, and it would start out as one message, and then it just turned into so many others. And then it got kind of frustrating covering it. And by the time it was February and it was cold and the place was stinky and gross and dirty, and then it just ended up being like, you know, just kind of this face off between, OK, well, who's going to flinch first between the protesters and the police? It just got like, OK, we're not even out here for a purpose. It's more just, OK, who's going to who's going to back down first, which, you know, there's no news in that. Then it just becomes like fodder for television. How did you feel after it was all done? What was your takeaway from it, you think? Personally, I'm glad that I got to cover it because it was covered across the nation from a news standpoint, like I had amazing clips that went from the beginning to the very end. If you mean like, how do I do? I think it was like successful. Or? Well, no, I mean, you know, you talk a little bit about your some of your impressions. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, having seen the the story from the very mm-hmm. beginning to the very end, you actually had a you have a a perspective of yeah. somebody who was there the whole time. How how did yeah. you think it was had changed? And I think that it jumped the shark when the 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 fort was built. It wasn't really even a fort. It was almost like a, the outline, the the skeleton of a barn. And, you know, they, they built this thing in the park, which you can't do. And they climbed up it and there was a standoff and it was very tense. And it was like, man, what is going to happen? And I think at that point it had been, we are here because we think it is unfair, you know, you know big banks and government. And you could follow, anybody could kind of follow what was going the on, the narrative of it. And then after that, it became, well, maybe we shouldn't have built that for it. And then all of a sudden, the message kind of diluted. And I, I wish for them that, you know, they had been able to stay more on message or at least been able to to make the, narrow that message down and make it more focused. But I think it just, it just grew too much and too broadly. And I think they lost their momentum after that because it just went in so many different directions. You had some people who were actively like trying to overthrow, you know, urging for the overthrow of the government while others were still trying to stay on message while some were just there because it was free food every day from whatever shelter decided to donate to the cause from the start to really try. Like I I met a guy who gave up a a internship at one of the local magazines because he just didn't feel right about, you know, taking it when, you know, was just feeding the machine that he said he said and I was like okay well you're out here more power to you and then but then you had someone else just going well you know ranting about you know some conspiracy theory and and so it was too bad I think that they they got so off message and then just ended up arguing with each other it's weird when you get involved in a story yeah and then it ended up you know instead of just being like okay that was a respectable protest and that because it was feet from the White House and then it just ended up being like 
trying to get gum off the, the bottom of your shoe. People were just so annoyed with it. People, you know, it was taking up traffic. One of my friends owns a restaurant that's right on McPherson Square. And she was like, our business, like, we almost had to close because it was so bad. Nobody could get there because they didn't want to walk through this park of, like, smelliness and dirt and mud. I mean, the park was also destroyed because people were living there for four or five months. So the grass had been trampled. The flowers were gone. They had to repolish everything because... Um, because people had, they had just taken it over and they'd also kind of abused it and which, you know, wasn't respectful either. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, it's amazing how these stories sort of unravel. Yeah. And, uh, and when it's over, you kind of wonder what, 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 what was yeah. Yeah. And what I remember what, like a couple months later, it was like a year later or so they tried to do like a, a march on the cat on Capitol Hill again. And it was just like, this husk of itself there was you know barely anybody who was marching they had like this lone drum and it was just very a totally different experience than what it was a year ago wow yeah well on that downer of a note <laughs> <laughs> on that joyous joyous tone um thanks for coming in this thanks is for great. having me and uh, maybe we can have you on again sometime yeah. to talk about things you've been listening to it's all journalism a weekly podcast about digital media Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, you've written a book. You can order copies of Turn Up the Volume, a down and dirty guide to podcasting on our website. Visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. Isn't it time you started your podcast? Do you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism? Now you can show your support on our Patreon page. Follow the link at the top of our website and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access exclusive content and receive updates about upcoming episodes. Donate a little bit more and we'll send you a cool swag like our It's All Journalism mug or a signed copy of my podcasting book. There are even opportunities for you to submit ideas for future shows or even appear on an episode. Go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the Patreon link to find out more. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.